When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The great Winston Churchill is known for a lot of things, and he said a lot of smart and wise words. But when I think about today's guest, and I relate him to the great Winston Churchill, Churchill said, success is going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. And when you think about what that man achieved, the success that he achieved over the course of time was generated from what he learned in his failures. When Winston Churchill set out in his career, he was a soldier. He never knew he would be prime minister. Two completely different things. What you do on the battlefield is not the diplomacy that you practice when you live at 10 Downing Street. Today's guest is named Brian Covey. He was a great athlete, but no one ever told him as he was succeeding as an athlete that one day he was gonna do something so completely different that had nothing to do with the athletic field, but had everything to do with recalibrating redefining and refocusing on what his definition of success really meant. Because when I think about Brian and I read his book, Conversations with Covey, what he is asking you to consider and what he is inspiring, what he is provoking is a change in his growth mindset so that he could wake up every day in the service of yours. It is an honor and it is a pleasure to welcome Brian Covey to a climb to the top stories of transformation. Brian, welcome. Chuck, thank you, man. I've been looking forward to this and um, I'm glad Steve connected us. I'll plug him in there. And I love meeting great people. And, and I was listening as you're saying that quote and I was like, I, I have, man, you can always learn from history and then apply things today. And so I'm excited for today. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate that, Brian. Well, thank you. I, I think when we come into each other's lives, all of us are trying to relate. Is there something in the individual that we met? And yet when we meet people, we, we see the presentation layer. So we note the enthusiasm, the way they speak, and we begin to form impressions. But what's interesting about you, if I were to look on LinkedIn and I were to see what you do now, at this organization, which is really having to do with loans and mortgages and things, you know, you are the largest, one of the largest loan companies in America. People form a certain impression that you must have majored in accounting or finance. You must have gone into banking from college, yet you were not in any way qualified to do what you do and here you are. So before we get into that, let's, let's back up a bit, Brian. As you were growing up, what did you set out to do? Ooh, that's a great question. Well, I always start with the foundation of, I had two amazing parents that worked exceptionally hard. My mom worked for the city of Memphis, so in government. My dad actually kind of recalibrated his career where he was actually counseling in prisons and was a pastor, and then went back and got his doctorate and taught for a little bit at University of Memphis, which was Memphis State and then really had his calling into counseling. And so I said, you know, he had the entrepreneurial spirit, but he had the counselor, the psychology, the mindset side. And my mom had just work ethic like no one I've ever seen. 
and was loyal, yet retired at the same place she'd been at for almost 30 years. Wow. So I was really blessed to have two parents to witness that. And they also provided, you know, a great foundation of faith and just discipline and commitment and love and caring. And so I came from a family that had one older brother, five years older, who's actually a police officer and has moved up the ranks and super proud of him. But that was my family life. And we spent most of our time, I tell everybody, I was chasing my older brother on the soccer field. So anybody that has an older family, <laughs> right. you know the life of we would show up on the weekends. And, you know, when I was just a little toddler running around, like I would go to his games and I learned sport and that's how I met people. It's really, I say, it's how much of my personality and who I am today was formed. And then the great coaches along the way obviously helped shape me. But that was where my life started. And I look back, some of my best memories, you know, on the field. Yet, as you think about what you do now, let, let, let's, let's take a snapshot of now, and then I want to retrench to the back and then bring us back up to date. Describe your organization, Brian, and what you do. Yeah, so a few years ago, I was able to join a massive um, now giant in the mortgage industry, Loan Depot, and we're now one of the top lenders in the entire country. When I joined almost four years ago, we were not there yet. The company's only 11 years old. Organization now is over 12,000 people. Uh, we went public earlier this year with an IPO. Congrats. When I joined, we were very small. Our team, just in context, we had about 30 people entirely on our region and our team throughout the Southeast. Um, we're now close to 300 people. And we were doing about 245 million a year in mortgage volume. So serving a good amount of customers. This year we'll do 10X that. We'll be right at 2.5, uh, maybe $2.4 billion. And we're massively growing, opening new markets. We just opened Jackson, Mississippi, opened Chattanooga. And I've got around 15 leaders that are directly in my care that I'm helping them grow their careers. And all of us, Chuck, what's fascinating to me is we're all leading the largest teams we've ever led in our career. And so it's this beautiful journey together of none of us have ever been this space, but we're together in it and we're helping each other. And somebody's a little further than someone else and they can give insight and wisdom. So we're, you'll hear this in my language a lot, but I'm a huge proponent of team first, because I think the team with the people that will collaborate and play together well is going to win. Well, that's a great message, Brian. But I think part of uh, what you learned before you even went into the mortgage business back in 2005, six, seven, you were on the soccer field and you were playing a sport that unifies efforts so that you have one goal. No one gives a damn necessarily who scores the point, but all other people on the field are putting yourself in a position to get that point scored. You learned from a solid foundation of parents and on that team how to be a team player, but also how to lead. But also what I find compelling about your story, you learned how to lead yourself in the midst of getting cut, in the midst of struggle and not living the dream up to your own expectations and having to shift. Tell us about that part in your life, because I think it's more foundational to Lone Depot than anyone could possibly imagine. Walk us through that process. What happened to you? Well, we don't have enough time to go through all the times that I was cut. I, I failed. I missed the winning shot. I had games that I look back on and I was really hard on myself. And I still have a little bit of that tendency of, you know, I'm very hard on myself. I'm probably my own worst critic. And, and I look back to that, that was setting the foundation for anybody that can relate to this is like, I always know there's this maximum potential I'm trying to reach in myself. And every day I'm just driven by that is like, what can I accomplish? And throughout my career, even as an early teenager, I was able to travel over to Europe and play soccer at a high level 
um, had made the U.S. Olympic team and the U.S. national team. So I saw what it looked like at the highest levels, but then only around the corner to not make the final team and get selected to go to Japan that year and realize there's always another level and you've got to be working. One of the greatest lessons I learned, Chuck, I share with people is what most people don't realize in sports, life, and business is it's the work off the field in the dark hours, the early mornings, the discipline, the always learning, the always training. And I use this example quite a bit is I wasn't great with my right foot. I was really good with my left foot. I was one of those players that you'll watch and you know, left-footed people typically stand out on a soccer field because they're different. There's not as many of them. I remember one of my coaches, thank goodness, he took me under his wing and really showed me. He's like, Brian, to be great, you've got to be great at both feet. And there were coaches along the way that saw blind spots and things that I think we're usually aware of, but we allow ourselves to be average. And, and throughout that, every time I had a setback or didn't make the team or I was on the team but wasn't playing, I was just driven to figure out how do I get more playing time? How do I, how do I get better? How do I be like these guys? And I look back, I would surround myself with people older than me. I would go and seek out and train. When I was in eighth grade, I was training with the local college team to get better. Because here's what I knew. If I was willing to endure the pain and go out there and, and literally get scored on, get embarrassed, like you're not as good as a college player in eighth grade typically, right. but I was willing to endure things most people would not. And I've taken that into today of the failure is really only a true failure and sets you back if you don't decide to move forward. And I get to experience more failures because I put myself out there with and now in business with a podcast, writing a book, leading a team. Every day is not perfect, but I will take those lessons from the field and know that every day I'm going to show up and every day I'm going to give it my best. While I'm not, I'm not perform at my best that day, there's always areas to improve. I'm going to show up and give it my all because the team, I owe it to them, but I owe it to myself first is to well, show I, up my best version. What I love about your story in your book, Brian, is all of these setbacks and the adversity didn't defeat you, it defined you because you got to define what it meant to get out of this thing and to move on to the next thing. And even if you screw that up, that was an opportunity to learn not, not to be defeated by the failure. What advice do you give? Because as I read conversations with Covey, there was struggle and there was adversity, yet many, many people, and I teach college, th th if they're not perfect, they're so crushed and disappointed and, and hard to forgive themselves. How do we, I think that's our mission, how do we help people get comfortable in that discomfort? What, what did you tell yourself in order to do that? Wow. So I go back to, I was very blessed to give my, my dad being a psychologist. I learned a lot about, you know, the, the power of the subconscious mind, the power of our mindset. And what I would encourage anyone listening is you have the power today to choose how you define a failure and how you define your success. I chose to take ownership of it. I got sick and tired of listening to people tell me that I was successful when I knew I wasn't where I knew I could be. I got sick and tired of telling someone, telling me that that was a bad game, we lost and this, that, and the other, and whether it was a pity party or they would try to put me down and say, oh, you're not fast enough. Oh, you're not tall enough to be a goalkeeper at this level. Do not let other people define who you are and how you define success. And you have an opportunity every time something doesn't go your way, to pull a lesson out of it. And that is what is gonna make you move from where you are to someone that is, I'm okay facing the next challenge because you know what? What's the worst thing that could happen? That I, that I die? Like <laughs> The sun doesn't like, come up tomorrow. <laughs> like, I'm here. God's allowed me to have another day and another opportunity. And so I would say for anyone, write your story. And part of why I've been drawn into writing the last few years and COVID brought this out was I've gotten laser focused and I'm very curious about 
as I start to write my own story, I have more clarity about what does success look like for me and my family and my wife and my kids and my friends, our team. That clarity can only be defined by you. I don't want someone else telling me what success looks like. Same way I don't want them to tell me what failure looks like. I get to choose. The power is with you. You get to choose. Right. You know, I, I often work with people and I tell them, it's your life. You get to make the rules. And yet many people, and I love your response on this. Many people feel, not me, I, I don't make the rules. I have to live up to my boss. I have to live up to my parents' expectations. I have to blah, 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 blah. How do you coach people to stop living up to all those other expectations and to live up to their own? It's an easy message to say, harder to internalize. What do you do? It is. So what I would encourage anyone that's going through that, and I've been through those struggles, and, and it's that mode of we're trying to please someone else. Right. And I would try to dig a little bit deeper as to why are you trying to please them when the reality is, guys, if we look at social media today, most people are so consumed with their own lives and what they're posting and what they're doing. I hate to break it to you. They really don't care as much as you think they care about what you're doing. <laughs> they don't. They may underline the, exclamation point. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> yes, they may like it. They may comment. And there are very few people in your life that are going to come along that are going to challenge you like you can challenge yourself. They're going to know you like you know yourself. And so my advice to anyone and to kind of coach them through that is when you start taking ownership of areas of your life, what's going to happen is that confidence becomes this energy I've found in my own life where I'm confident about the fact that I'm going to go try things. But I'm also confident in the fact that it may not work out. Right. But I'm going to adapt to that situation. Right. And the way that I've faced these is very simple. I have some foundations in my life of I took up CrossFit years ago, which every workout is a big challenge. I like to challenge myself mentally and physically. I do think there's a connection there and it prepares you for when you're in a challenge in business, in life, somewhere else. Find areas in your life that you can start to stack base hits and wins. Many of us want the grand slam. It looks awesome. You're the right. hero. Right. What about the person that's putting in an extra 30 minutes a day, an extra hour a day to get better somewhere? You don't think in a year you're going to be substantially better at it? So if that's an area you want to improve in, I would encourage you to get clear on that and have clear expectations. And what do you want to accomplish in that season? And for me, it was reframing how I looked at social media, reframing how I solicited feedback, reframing how I gave feedback. And I was very intentional about how I went and attacked it because it wasn't a strength of mine. Now it quite honestly is like, I, I, I don't worry about that stuff. Like I'm becoming more me. I'm in a t-shirt. I used to dress in a suit every day. <laughs> that was the mode. Yeah. Like I've tried to break. The more you can break the patterns that you're in, the more comfortable you'll become with yourself. And that's, that's where change happens. Well, you wrote a wonderful book called Conversations with Covey. Why did you write it and who did you write it for? Oh, great question. So this was birthed out of the kind of quarantine, uh, COVID season. <laughs> yeah, you had time at home. <laughs> oh, and I tell everybody, you probably all, everyone listening has a dream or something you've told a friend. Maybe you haven't told anybody because you're too scared to tell someone. That was it for me. I was like, I always want to write a book, right? We have a little lineage to in our family. Like a lot of people have written some books and stuff. I have friends that have written books. I was like, man, I'd love to write a book. I don't know how. What's the first thing you do when you don't know how to do something? Well, you can go to Google. <laughs> or right, a right. person. So I reached out to people that had written books. I was like, hey, how do I do this? Like, they're like, well, what do you want to write about? I don't know. And then I had this idea that hit me. And, and the difference between an idea and actually going into execution, delivering that book was me just saying, I'm going to do it. And I reached out to a few people 
I got a better understanding of how does the process work? How does publishing work? How do I write this? How does it come together? And the idea came to me because I was having these phenomenal conversations and in my 20 years or so now in the financial services industry and playing sports as well, I met some amazing people. They had wonderful stories. I knew I enjoyed spending time with them. Most people, it would not either know them or they couldn't get access to this level of some of the folks that are in there are phenomenal speakers and they've risen since the book. Some of them have hit even um, higher levels. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we shared their stories and we really showed how you and I are a lot more alike, how we've all faced struggle, how we've all faced adversity, but how we've built it back. And if you could take that into like a mini TED talk, like if you could hear them for 10 minutes and they would give you their best lessons in life, could I put that into a book? Because I recognize not everybody listens to a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I realized, well, I have these amazing stories. What if people started reading the book? And I'll tell you, Chuck, like I was blown away. The people that have reached out in the audience, who it would be for is anybody right now that feels like they're destined for more. Maybe they don't know how to get there. They don't know what the next step is. Right. Or you're in a storm right now and you're in a season of, man, you've been beat down. Like things have not gone your way for a while. And you're just wondering, how, how do these people have, like, appear like they have it all? Well, one, social media might show that they all have it all. These are real people that are featured in the book, and they come from all walks of life, everything from Shark Tank to being on, you know, one of the guys, the Jerry Maguire movie was filmed after his firm to people that have come over, and they're the first generation that they've actually come to the country legally, and they didn't speak any English. Like, I mean, put it all out there. What, what's your struggle? What's your challenge? They all had it and they overcame it. And so I'm hoping it will inspire and motivate people and also equip them with the tools to go take action in their own life. And Brian, what did you learn about yourself as you wrote this book? Well, interesting enough, and you probably find this too, Chuck, is when you're talking with people, you start to realize things in your own life of, hey, I do this pretty good, but I'm not on that level. And they would share little things. And one of those I share quite often now is this Sunday planning with my wife and I, and we go through our calendar, which was a tactic to get better at organizing my time, make sure I know when my kids are playing, like make sure I know where my meetings are, all of that. That was phenomenal. One of the others was talking about identity and mindset and the differences there. And what I learned is everybody has a story. Everybody that we speak to has some expertise in an area that if we're open and willing to listen, we can learn something and take action. And one of my core beliefs is this, the more people I surround myself with, the more educated I'm gonna be, the more informed I'm gonna be, and the better life I can live because I think everybody has something to add to our life if we're willing to listen. And that, wow, you talk about learning to listen, learning to ask great questions. When I started the, the show and the podcast, Chuck, it was painful. I mean, I, I was a rookie, I didn't know what I was doing. I hired a coach to help me. I feel you. <laughs> Here's the last lesson I would share is when you lean into something that you're uncomfortable in, now some 70 episodes in, I know, I am absolutely certain I am better than when I started. Yeah. It also gives me that inspiration to know that another 70 episodes from now, staying committed to this process, I'm going to be even better. Well, Brian, for what it's worth, I've produced 95 podcasts and the first three, I'm totally embarrassed and I would wipe them off the face of the earth. I even called my guest to apologize and said, what are you apologizing for? Yeah. I said, I, I did a terrible job. I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't serve you. I, and, and, and once we, and that's what I loved about conversations with Covey, you served, you wake up every day in the service of others and you talk about the conversations for how we help others in spite of the differences. And the reason I say that, 
when we look at the headlines, Brian, it's all Republicans, Democrats, it's, it's extreme colors, everything's binary. But the point of your book is that the things that bring us together are stronger than the things that try to tear us apart. Yeah. Is, that, is that a message you were going for? That's what I picked up. Yeah. Oh, I love that you're you're very um, astute to pick that up because that was one actually one of the hashtags I started through the season and it came out it was birthed out of our industry and the mortgage industry was battling the last several years of this company, this channel, different things, and we were battling each other. We lost the mission. The core mission is to educate and inform people of the dream of home ownership. That is why I got in the industry. That is what I'm passionate about. I'm not about all this other stuff of throwing things at people. And I created this hashtag Better Together. And it kind of created this movement of like, wow, well, we are better together. And I come from abundance mindset. So yes, I, I look at this and go, everybody has something to offer and there's enough for everyone. There's enough money to go around. There's enough opportunity to go around. If we all share and give, what I've found in my life, the more I give, I can't outgive people. The happiness I get from giving and just serving is, is a byproduct that, you, there's no drug. There's nothing out there that, that I think compares to it, that when you can serve someone else and you can help them accomplish their dreams. That's why I love being a leader on our team and like seeing the dreams, seeing the goals accomplished. And just today, one of our team members, he's about to celebrate a year and I know his backstory and forget the numbers. He's made more money than he's made. That's awesome. Check the box. Yeah. But his family life. And what he told me is he's got more time with his kids and he's got more time with his wife and they're taking more trips together. For me, you, you can't give me enough money to like, like that, that fuels my fire. And so, yeah, I think people need to look at what makes us more alike and work off of that foundation and figure out how can we help each other serve towards a bigger goal and forget all this other, you know, people major in the minors is what I call it. like major in the major spend time on things that matter. There was one other prevailing theme and I don't know if it was underlying in the book, but it was, even though you continue to redefine what success, the underarching definition of success in conversations with Covey is success is not measured necessarily by possessions in the bank account, but by the lives you touch and the communities you build. Did I have that right? Yeah, I mean, that. here's what I look at in this, Chuck. like throughout my life, I can look back to people that made an impact on me in a season, at a moment, in a time that they helped change my trajectory. Like, look, I still had to take action. I had to take ownership of it. I had to do that. And I just think about this lighthouse analogy. You know, in the lighthouse, you could be coming in from the storm or it can kind of like give you guidance of where to go and, and all this. I think about, I always want to be known as a lighthouse. And that's one of the things like, had a mentor ask me years ago, like, what's your legacy? What's that going to be? And I want people to be reminded of like me being a lighthouse, right, adding hope and inspiration, right? Like, yeah. That's what it's about. So yeah, I, I, I find that that to me is something that if you live life from an abundance, you can't measure it. Yes, we all want to have financial freedom and we want to do those things. And those are wonderful. Like I, I've, I've had a lot. I've also hit rock bottom and not had anything. Yeah. You know, seasons, you still get to wake up another day if you're listening to this and you get to get in the game. So yeah. I would say, you know, get in the game, live your best life and, and be grateful for what you have because you've probably seen this too is, doesn't matter if you have a little or you have a lot. It's interesting how those same people had gratitude. 
No, I, I, I think I look, Brian, at, you know, all the people you've had on your podcast, on mine, all the wonderful people that have come in our lives. I think there is one common thread that, well, there's a few. One, we all recognize can't do it alone. And that's what your book came out. Your book said that. Your book also heightens the contrast between light and dark, wins and losses, the contrast of things, and you become the guiding light in between. Because whether you win or lose, you don't know whether you're joyful or not, but what everybody needs is a guide. Some people look up to God, some people look up to their mom and dad, but you're always that beacon, that shining light, because what else are we going to do for others than to try to shine the light and to help them to find their direction? And that's what you do on the field. That's what I do on the mountain, and it's wonderful to see that. Now then, just wrapping up, Brian, the, the, the most interesting part of this, who knew you were going to go into the business of it's not the loan business, in the business of helping people find and buy and own their home. Yeah. Why did you do that? Well, so think about like anybody that's listening out there. I was um, at that time just dating, now my wife, um, had some friends that were buying houses. It was horrible. Like the, the stories that they would tell me and I would see what they would go through. And I'm like, I always wanted to buy a house too. I never really knew if I could. We rented um, at first. And I remember seeing my friends go through it and they would ask me questions. I had a, a weird fascination with like, I did like finance. I did study into marketing and I did like account. I like numbers and things. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do with that? Like, I don't want to be a financial planner. I don't want to like all the jobs. It was a hiring freeze going on right when I came out of college. Cause I'd come back after I'd played professionally. Right. No jobs. I'm like, well, I've got no experience. Everyone told me I had no experience. So I found a need like many people. My friends that I went to church with, played soccer with, and grew up, they're all like, hey, we want to buy a home. I'm like, well, like I know a little bit about mortgage. Like I've studied a little bit here, and I can probably help you. And that need continued to grow. And I recognized an opportunity of when I went through the home buying process myself and not really having someone that could guide me through, I wanted to be that person because it wasn't so much what I knew. It was the care I could take and to guide them through and to be relatable and understand. So I built my original business model was on first-time homebuyers and friends around my age that didn't understand the process. And I said, hey, look, I just went through it with you. I understand it. And then I started to hone in on my craft, study, get mentors around me, and actually understand the mortgage business from credit income, assets, programs, all of that. And I became a student. I would come home and highlight guidelines and read and just, you know, just, I remember those days. But it was really birthed out of that. You know, Chuck, I wish I could tell you some, I liked people. I really did enjoy numbers. That was something fascinating to me. I was always fascinated by the stock market and things like that. And I thought, well, my friends are struggling with this. There's probably other people and I could, I could be different. Well, this is an interesting evolution from you, Brian, because your transformation occurred in the fact that you are of mind, you are of heart, and you have intuition. And I think all of us that apply any one of those three, when I regard your story, it was very much in the mind and it was very much in the intuition but mostly in the heart, because what you're describing is you're feeling a need out of love for your friends that you could find a better way in spite of the fact you knew nothing about this business. How cool is that? <laughs> it was awesome. That's a, you look back at that. And I remember I drove over an hour, one direction. Like when I finally got an entry, like when I talk about entry level job, like I was basically an assistant to someone, right? Like just just hire me. And they said they would teach and train me. And I remember being an athlete. I said, that's what I wanted. I knew what I wanted, which was someone that would come along and they would teach me the business because I did recognize I didn't know it. I didn't know it. But I wanted to. 
Well, you, instead of filling the mind, the first thing you did was cleared your mind because what you're describing, Brian, was everything in your book. When, when we think about mindset, there's, there's, there's also, there's two poles. There's the fixed mindset that everything happens in a linear way and that's just the way the world is. What you describe is the growth mindset. It's the twist, the turns, the struggles, the challenges and the adversity that are not burdens, but opportunities. So what I'd like you to do is finish up with our guests now and let, let's, there are a lot of people, Brian, that listen to this that are, they may feel stuck or they're simply considering, although they're scared to death of going from the soccer field to the mortgage. I'm, I'm speaking proverbially here. Yeah. What do we want them to think, to feel, and to do in this transition? Love that. Well, one of the foundational beliefs I've got is, is, living life every day, love God and love people. It's amazing how things will be birthed out of that single mindset as you go out. And I share that because if you do that, a lot of people are still trying to find their purpose. They're trying to find the next step. Right. What I have learned is I have this statement I make to myself when I feel like I'm in a rut or I need to take action and it's actions over my feelings. Meaning anytime I feel like I need to do something, I probably need to do it. I'm afraid, I'm scared, I have a feeling. The only way to counterbalance that feeling, in my experience, is you must take action. And that could mean you're going to go for a walk right now and clear your head. You're going to listen to a podcast and get more information. You're going to call someone. You're going to go take a meeting with someone. What I've found in my life, it separates the times that I had growth and the times that I didn't, is that I took action towards something that I knew in my heart. It was a feeling. It was an idea, but I took action, whether it was the book, the podcast. And what you'll find on the other side of that, I can't promise you it's always going to be easy. That, that would be a lie. Um, that's not how life works many times. But what I have found is going through the tunnels and learning and getting outside of my comfort zone. Every time it has prepared me for the next opportunity. And for all of us, what I would leave you with is think about your future self five years from now, 10 years from now. And we talked about this last time when we met, you know, Matthew McConaughey in his speech and talking about the 10 year mountain chasing, right? Yeah. And I'm always chasing that, that Brian five years, 10 years from now, the dad, the husband, the leader. And what I want to look back on those years and say is I gave it my all. It didn't always work out, but I gave my all. I wasn't afraid to try things. I wasn't afraid to put myself out there. And for all of you out there, becoming a student of the game and constantly learning and growing is your path to success. And you'll disrupt industries. You'll disrupt your life, but that's how you'll dominate your world and what a blessing you'll be to those you care about. And so I would say that's that's why you do it, right? Because you want to be that best version for the people you care about most. And Brian, where do our listeners find you? Oh, so I'm, I'm heavy on Instagram. So someone took my name, uh, Brian Covey over there. So it's the, just add the, <laughs> my name. And um, that's there. And then we're revamping the website. So you can go to just briancovey.com and you'll find everything from the book to the podcast to things we share on social, uh, the newsletter, all those things. I'd be honored. Reach out. I encourage everybody, drop me a note. If this has inspired you or made a difference in your life, let me know. I would love to connect up. I do try to respond to all of those. I'm one of those active people. I think building relationships is one of the greatest gifts and social. I, I use it for that very purpose is to connect with people. Well, I want to summarize here that when, when you look at Brian, go to LinkedIn, go to Instagram, there are certain keywords that pop out. And what popped out to me as I came to know Brian was Good teachers instruct, but great teachers do two things. They inspire and they don't fill the mind. They teach you to act. 
And what I've learned from Brian, and when, when you regard conversations with Covey, you see him on Instagram, and you listen to the podcast, what I hope that you will get out of this, and what I hope you do for here, is that he leads by example because he has gone from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm and has figured out how to channel any of the adversity into something positive to use the growth mindset to make a difference in the lives of others. And Brian, there is no higher calling. And I thank you for the work that you put into the universe, but especially for coming onto our show and broadcasting your message. Oh, it's been an honor. I've been looking forward to this one. So thank you for bringing the conversation to light and amazing, amazing collaboration. I just thank you for uh, making the space for this. And um, it is. I'm excited. It is my pleasure, Brian. And to all our listeners, thank you. This has been Chuck Garcia on A Climb to the Top. You can follow us on Instagram. You can find me on chuckgarcia.com. Also, I want to thank Chris for all of your production efforts. Really appreciate that. And Steve Carlos, our mutual friend, our agent, our partner, if you are listening, thank you and your wonderful people at Two Market Media for bringing these great people into my life, especially to Brian Covey. Brian, we are signing off. Thank you very much to our listeners. Thank you. Be in touch. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.